Sunday morning worship service this morning. Glad to see all of you here this morning. We appreciate you being with us to be part of our worship service. We welcome you to come at any time. Visitors, we're proud to have visitors. We welcome you and come and be with us anytime. This morning, they are getting started at Maywood Camp, a big week for Maywood. We already have about 15 to 20 adults who've gone to be ready for the kids this afternoon. And uh, Stephen, give me a list of all the kids, I call them, young people. More than 50 are in our group this year. Isn't that great? One of the, a great opportunity for the young people to go through the camps. We've observed from year to year a lot Spiritual, getting to know other people, it's great. So encourage them. And others have gone other weeks. So it'd be interesting to know when we get through how many of our kids have actually attended a camp this week. And we appreciate uh, Stephen and all the work that you do, the others do to help with that. Uh, we'll be making pictures again today. And if you need a picture made, come on down and we'll take care of that. We're getting close to finish. Today, our song leader will be Chris Langley. Uh, Johnny Parker will be reading the scriptures. Um, Bo Gross will be in charge of the Lord's Supper. And Guy Gardner will have the announcements and closing prayer. Again, let me say, we appreciate you being here and glad to see everyone. At this time, let's have a prayer to be in our worship service. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning that you blessed us with. We thank you, Father, that we have the, have the health to be here today. We, we thank you for all you do for us here. We, we're, we're so thankful that we have this place that we can assemble.
to worship you. We pray that as we come this morning, we come with humble hearts and a mindset to worship in a way that will be pleasing to you. We just pray that from being here today, we can grow spiritually, be, grow, be growing close together as a family of your people. We pray particularly for our speaker, Brother Ken, today as he comes to bring a lesson to us. We pray that we can gain much from it that we can take with us. And Father, we ask you to just keep everybody safe through this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Our first song this morning will be number 869, We're Marching to Zion. Let's all sing. Let's all sing. Come we that love the Lord and let our joys be known. Join in a song with sweet accord. Join in a song with sweet accord. And thus around the throne. And thus surround the throne. We're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion, we're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Let those refuse to sing who never knew our God, but children of the heavenly King, but children of the heavenly King, may speak. This is actually a happy song. Earth holds no treasures but perish with
with me. Father in heaven, we come to thee at this time so very thankful for all the things that you've done for mankind, but more especially, Father, all the things that you've done for us here at the Bumble Congregation. Thank you for the blessings that we received here and continue, continue to be with us through the future. Help us to be a shining light that might shine your word, the knowledge of your son and his gospel to the community around us and maybe even the whole world. Father, as we go into this time of worship, we ask you to be with each of us, the listeners. Help us to open up our minds and our hearts that we might hear and that we might cultivate this word and might make us be better Christians and live our lives better, that we might serve you better. Father, we ask you to bless the sick of our number, the ones that's on our sick list, and even those that we don't know about, Father, that might need your help to return to their most wanted health and return to their normal works of life. We ask you, Father, if it could be thy will to be with them in this effort. But most of all, Father, we thank you for your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who you allowed and he was willing to come to this earth and live as one of us, but yet live that perfect sinless life that through his death, his burial, and his resurrection would cause his blood to be the sacrifice for our sins and that we might have the hope of eternal life. We ask all of this in his name. Amen. The song after the lesson will be number 600, no, 927. Uh, Thank you, Jesus, waiting. Uh, before the song, we'll sing this uh, new song, Lovest Thou Me More Than These. It's the story of uh, Jesus and Peter's discussion. Still needing the mic. Okay, we'll go back. Okay. Uh, has anybody lit, sung this song? I just need to kind of know. Okay, we got a, we got enough for four parts, and everybody else can figure it out. It's a really good song. Uh, haven't sang sung it in about thirty years at a family get together, so uh, I'm very eager to hear this song with this group. Let's sing. In the good book we're told how do the saints of old Jesus said go feed my sheep as he commanded then will be commanded when Jesus says children feed my sheep
Scripture reading this morning will be from Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 12. Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 12. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give to you that which is not your own? Good morning, everyone. It is terrific to see you. Hope you had a, a great week and you're looking forward to an outstanding one if the Lord will bless us further beyond today. We don't have a promise of that, but of course we're hopeful and we have plans for the week. I have plans. I'm going to be leaving here after our service and headed to Hamilton, Alabama for Maywood Camp. Yay! Last year was my first year going to the camp and it was, it was terrific. I had a great time. It was very hot, but I love the roles that I was able to play. And this year, Stephen, Stephen was really funny about it with me. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you in a different cabin this year. Is that okay? I said, yeah, sure, whatever. You know, I just want to help. And then he came back a little later and said, now, I'm putting you in uh, tire. I'm like, okay. It really didn't mean anything to me because I'm not that familiar with the layout. And then like last week, he said, now, you said you were good with going to a new cabin and being in tire, right? I said, yeah, Stephen, whatever, whatever you want. He said, well, that's the 11 and 12-year-old group. Is that okay? I was like... Yeah, okay, whatever. He said, now that's a rowdy bunch. I'm like, Stephen, you have laid this out for me how many times? And I said, I would. And he said, I just want you to be prepared. So I know that there are a bunch of our kids that are 11 and 12 that are going to Maywood. And I've already had one say, oh, we're a rowdy bunch. We're going to, I'm like, I, I want to stop you right there. I said, I don't want to have to be the one that calls you parents on Monday to have you to come home. So let's keep it under control. So I don't know what's in store for me now, but I'm really looking forward to being there. And you know what I think? I think that these camps are more than just a summer trip. I really see these camps as mission fields. And I really want you to think of it that way too. Some of you have sent your children to several camps over the summer, and that's fantastic. And we hear news about conversions and rededications and all of that. That's fine too, but I want us to realize that when our children are there and their friends go with them, that it becomes, in effect, a true mission opportunity. So I'm going there with that in mind and looking for the, the great opportunities that God will make available. So we have several of our adults and many of our children going. And hey, 
I hope, <laughs> I hope when I come back Sunday, Lord willing, I'll have something good to say about your children. <laughs> and hopefully they'll have something good to, good to say about me too. You know, under those dire, difficult circumstances, people just, they, they act differently. So if you hear a crazy story about me, just, you know, try to remember the source. I thank you for being here today. And I thank you for your participation already in our various acts of worship. And we look ahead on every first day of the week to that moment when we assemble, as it were, around the Lord's table and we partake of the Lord's supper. If there is one thing that we hinge all of this on, that is the death of Jesus and his subsequent resurrection from the dead and how that makes for our salvation. If it were not for all of that, we wouldn't even be gathering as a family of God. We would still be estranged from God and we would be without hope in the world. But as it is, Jesus did die and we do have the opportunity to memorialize that event every first day of the week. But short of that, in our singing, in our praying, in our giving of our means, and now as we enter into a time of meditation upon the Word of God, here are also opportunities for us as one mind and one spirit to be joined together in order to glorify God, to worship Him, to lift Him up. And today will be just that. If you read along with the scripture text from Luke chapter 16, verses 10 to 12, if you caught the gist of what is in this text, you realize that this, this is a challenging, foundational, fundamental sort of teaching that Jesus made. It's given in a kind of analogy, but its import is... Obvious, I think. And it's challenge. It can be offensive. So I just want you to be ready for that. Before we start, I'm going to ask God that he'll bless us as we're considering together his word. And that he'll help me to express myself the way I plan to and that he'll be with you as you receive the word. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the blessing and privilege it is to be assembled here today to worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray, Father, that you will help us as we consider these verses today and their application, that Indeed, Lord, you will challenge us, help us to be perceptive of our role in this very temporary life, the responsibilities that are upon each of us to take them seriously and to perform in such a way as pleases you. I pray, Lord, that you'll help me to communicate in a simple way the things that I've discovered you've said in these verses. And I pray that it'll be simple enough that everybody can understand. 
I pray, Lord, for those who hear what you have to say today, that they'll be receptive of it. And I prefaced my words to them, Lord, by saying that they can be offensive. I I really hope that that isn't the case, but there is the potential of that. If that's true, Lord, that's our problem and not yours. You've been very clear about what you expect of us. It's just that we get distracted and we're influenced by the culture that we live in. So, Lord, just help us to be faithful, truly faithful and qualified in your sight and help me to explain exactly what those things are. Thank you for the blessing of your word today. In Jesus name, amen. He who is faithful in what is least is set in contrast with that person who is in the place in that faithfulness to receive much. So he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is least, he says, is unjust also in what is much. There's a, well, it's like a proverbial principle here. If you're faithful in the little things, then it's obvious since you give thought to the little things that if you were given big things, you just extended to the big things. Great. But if the opposite is true of you, if you're the kind of person that is unjust, even in the small things, then if we extended that out, we would also say, you know what? The more you give, the more unjust you would be. And it even gets worse than that in terms of application in verse 12, doesn't it? Because he says, if you haven't been faithful in those things of another man, and in this context, that other man, he's talking about God. Then he wants to know who is it that's going to give you what is your own. In other words, God has invested some things in you. And he's invested them in a temporary sort of situation, your temporary life. He has put possessions in your hands and he's watching to see how you will use them. And depending on how you will use those temporary things that are his, that he's just invested in you, just given you a time to use, depending on how he sees you using those, will be whether or not he gives you what he's actually laid aside for you eternally. This life, its blessings, its possessions, its things, a temporary test. How I do in this life with those things 
related to my responsibility before God bears very heavily on what it is that I can expect eternally. Next week, the fifth Sunday, is what we are calling our Capital Improvements Sunday. What exactly do you mean capital improvements? Well, the capital are the material things that this congregation has in its possession. You say, well, Ken, the, the church is about spiritual things, you know, spreading the gospel and all that. That's right, exactly right. And in our Bible classes, in sermons from the pulpit here, uh, we emphasize the spiritual aspect of, of all these things. But actually, we're gathering in facilities that are all our own. It is like all of us together have this house. We've designate, designated it to meet in and worship. We have these Bible classes over here. We've designated them for using the Bible classes. We have these buildings over here. Some parts of it are used for our teens to study the Bible. Some of it is used in our outreach to our community. We have buildings over here where we prepare meals and we have Bible classes. We have our college people meet over there. We've got another building over here where the college has met and actually can use during the week. We have another building over here where Doug and Jody are living. I mean, we've got all kinds of property. And while it is absolutely true that the church's main objective is the saving of souls, all of these physical buildings are being used in one way or another to that end. And these things are corporately owned by this whole body here. So I'm part owner and you, all of us together as members of this congregation are part owners of these facilities, which then back that down a little bit means that to a degree, each one of us is responsible for these facilities, their use. And I'm going to say this morning in terms of their upkeep. Now, if you're hearing some bells ringing, maybe that will take you back to last year about this time when we also had a Capital Improvements Sunday, the fifth Sunday. And on that Sunday, I got up here and I laid out a need that this congregation had in terms of its physical upkeep, the buildings. And I said, hey, you know, if you go out there in the front and you look up and you see the glass up there, there is a panel there that has a hole in it. And if that goes very long, it's going to be leaking and there could be catastrophic damage and all of that. And I tied our responsibility to that. And I urged you to give in response to that so that we could take care of that need. And you responded. And how? I said we needed $40,000 at least to take care of that problem. And that's, we got $40,000. So take your hand like this. Take your hand like this. 
bend it back and just pat yourself on the shoulder. Good job. Doesn't that feel good? Good job. We met the challenge. And yet, if you go out there in the front, you look up there, you say, now, wait a minute, Ken. We collected all that money. That hole was this big back then. Now it's the whole panel. And absolutely it is. And ask James. James will tell you when it rains, the water's now coming down the wall there. It's, but Ken, it's been a whole year. Okay, calm down. Peace. We immediately, upon hand of $40,000, went and sought out a contractor. Yes, sir, we can do it. And then they backed out. And we're like, oh, well, there's lots of contractors. We'll just go out and grab us another one. And everybody declined the work. Finally, several months later, we had somebody that said, we absolutely will take care of that. They sent a guy, he came, took measurements, got the uh, list of all the components that were going to be necessary, began planning out the thing. And then he called up and said, well, no, wait a minute. I can't find any subcontractors that will touch that job. And so after months and months and months watching this window continue to break apart and get bigger and bigger and the threat greater and greater, within the last month, no joke, within the last month, we finally have found a local man who says, not only can I do that job, I will do that job. He's already come and made the measurements and he's preparing an estimate and he's going to march in here and he says, I definitely will do it. Yay! I'm so glad. So that means that everything else is fine, right? And the answer is no, it's not fine. That was a major urgent issue. But some more issues have come to light. And probably most of you use the restrooms that are right here off of the foyer. And they are really nice. Those have been renovated some years ago and they're just terrific, updated and uh, are beautiful. But we've got, <laughs> we've got two bathrooms right here. We've got two bathrooms in the basement. We've got a bathroom that's between two classrooms up here on the classroom wing. And we've got a bathroom over here in the nursery that are still from the 60s and are in need of attention. Things that have been put on the back burner long enough that now they've come to the front. Those things need to be dealt with. We need the, the money that's necessary in order to take care of those. Uh, Doug and Jody and, and Anita and I used to live in this house too. Uh, it's come to light that, you know, there's some problems with the, the piping over there. And sure enough, had a professional come over there. Hey, the thing that will solve this problem is a repipe of the house. A repipe. Ken, I want to stop you right there. <laughs> what, what does bathroom renovation and repipe have to do with the text that you just laid out there that really, really is pretty ominous. Well, the Lord said that he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also 
in what is much. And then he went on to say that I give you responsibilities. I give you the possessions. And then I'm watching to see how you handle those in order to qualify you for the eternal possessions. Now this lesson is way bigger than the way I want to boil it down today. What this honestly comes down to is who we serve. In fact, in verse 13, that's exactly what he says. You can't serve two masters. For either you will love the one and hate the other, or else you'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. And the point of that is that in this life, we have to make a very clear decision. Am I going to be driven by my love of my possessions and the things that I have, or am I going to be driven by my commitment to God? Now, this morning, instead of just dealing with the entire gamut of things and just use the word mammon or talk about the, the huge battle that exists between materialism and between the things of God, I, I just want to boil it down as simple as can be. I don't want to talk about every category that exists in your life, like your house and your, your money and your boat and your car and all your possessions. Let's just forget about that for a second. How about let's talk about you and I, the things that we have in common in terms of possessions. The church's possessions, what are they? Well, I, I pointed them out to you. These facilities here, these are physical things that all of us are party to. All of us are participants in using, but we're also responsible in upkeep. So when we give our contribution or we have a special need that arises, i.e., uh, we've got some bathrooms that need renovated and we need a repipe, then those things become the possessions. And the question is, in, in our relationship with God, are we going to take what God has put in our hands in order to satisfy the needs that exist are we going to be, and here's the word that he uses, faithful in the application of those things to the need, or, or are we not? Or are we going to neglect it? So I'm going to use the image of bathroom renovations and a house repipe to represent a bigger thing for us. And that is where our loyalty to God really is. Maybe for you, it doesn't have, doesn't have anything to do with a bathroom and a repipe. It's a bigger issue than that. Maybe I really am in love with this world that's so temporary and is only a test. It's only a test that we are trying to make the highest mark so that we can enter into an eternal blessing, an eternal gift from God. But However it is that we are hung up, I want these images to come to the front to challenge us, not only with regard to what's coming next week, our fifth Sunday contribution, to take care of those issues that are all of ours, our responsibility, but also the bigger picture. Who is it that I'm really serving? Okay, here's how we're going to do it. There are only really two ideas that are going to be expressed, and they are going to be very tightly bound together. 
One is that faithfulness is what qualifies us for heavenly riches. And the other is that unfaithfulness disqualifies us from heavenly riches. Let me break it down for you as simple as can be. And if, and if you don't remember anything else, just simply remember these two things. Number one, faithfulness is what qualifies. Number two, unfaithfulness disqualifies. Okay? Faithfulness qualifies. Unfaithfulness disqualifies. So faithfulness, faithfulness is what qualifies us for heavenly riches. Okay. So he said that he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. What exactly is, is least? Least are those things that I mentioned already are temporary. I mean, this, this building itself, while we're responsible for it, it's, an, it's a least item. Because one day, as well built as it is, it's going to deteriorate. It's going to be destroyed. One day, this building will not sit on this property. That house you live in, the car you drive, they're all disposable. Everything that exists physically, disposable, temporary. God's placed us in physical bodies that are even temporary. Over time, they deteriorate. And no matter what kind of physical regimen you're on of exercise or taking the right supplements, eating well, no matter what you do, time will age you. You will physically deteriorate and eventually you will succumb to that deterioration. You'll have an outright disease or accident or you will just simply die in your sleep. Your body will just stop functioning. Everything that you're experiencing physically has an expiration date. So in terms of even, even the bathroom renovation, we can go in there and we can fix up what's already begun to deteriorate. We can repipe the building over here and one day either that entire house will be torn down or it'll need another repipe. It's just on and on and on with the kind of work that has to be done to keep things functioning properly. So I know that the least things, because they are temporary, have basically a limited value. They're only useful within the moment in which they are used. Otherwise, they have no continuing value to them. They're useful now, one day, they'll either be gone or of no use at all. The least things do not compare to what he describes as being much. The eternal things that go beyond this life. The least things have no comparison to eternal life and things like we experience in love and joy and peace in Christian living. 
a least thing like a bathroom renovation or a repipe of a house, those least things, your house, your car, your bank account, your boat, those things have no comparison to be made with things like the Word of God or the promises of God. These temporary, earthbound, life-connected, physical things have no comparison with eternal things like sonship and being an heir of God. In fact, in thinking about the bigger scheme of things, I want to be faithful with the least I want to be responsible in terms of what God has put in my hands now to take care of. I want to be responsible to the continuing of God's things in this temporary setting so that I can have the incomprehensible things that he has set aside for those who are faithful in the least. For instance, truly being a son of God and an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ. In Romans chapter eight, beginning at verse 14, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Did did you see what just happened? He's just made that same contrast, that same analogy. The suffering that you deal with now, that doesn't compare. It's only temporary. It doesn't compare with the glory that we're going to have. The least doesn't compare with the much that God has set aside for us. It is practically incomprehensible, the idea of eternal life. And yet one of the most famous passages of scripture just puts that out. We hear it continually. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Otherwise you would perish, you know, you would live in your physical body. You would have continued in sin. Without Jesus, you would have died and been lost. But with Jesus, what is the least can become much. It's practically incomprehensible to think that this lowly physical body that succumbs to all manner of illness and affliction, that gets old and ragged and eventually perishes away, it is incomprehensible to think that that lowly body could, according to Philippians 3 verse 21, become a glorious body fashioned in a manner like Jesus. Wait, there's that picture again. The temporary, the least. That because of faithfulness to the Lord becomes much. It seems practically incomprehensible that 
we can have glory, honor, and peace. Romans chapter 2 and verse 10. But that comes in setting aside of sin, which is, again, a result of this temporary situation succumbing to temptation and being transformed into this spiritual person with spiritual hope for heaven someday. It seems practically incomprehensible as much as is required of us and and how difficult life on earth can be and the toil and the the peril, the, the sweat and the blood that we have to put into every project. It seems like it would be impossible that we ever could have rest, but Roman, or Revelation chapter 14, verse 13 reminds us that if we'll be faithful, we will have that rest from our labors and our works. What we have done to God's glory will follow. It seems practically impossible that those of us who just kind of put in time, don't really have a recognizable name, Seems like we put a lot of effort, but never get recognized for what we do, or we feel like our efforts aren't appreciated. It seems almost impossible then that a person having struggled all their life could anticipate someday a crown of righteousness. Second Timothy chapter four, verse eight, or crown of life. James chapter 1, verse 12, or crown of glory, 1 Peter 5, verse 4. Seems incomprehensible, practically impossible, that having basically no hope, oftentimes for advancement here, to be told that if we'll be faithful, that we will have an incorruptible inheritance. In fact, it's already waiting for us. First Peter chapter one, beginning at verse three, blessed be the God and father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you who were kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. There's that idea again, I'm faithful. If I remain faithful, I will have it. I will secure it. If I am faithful in the least of things, if I meet my responsibilities, then God has in store for me much. In that picture, heaven itself. And it seems practically incomprehensible How is it even possible that having so little and what we do have, having no promise of it continuing even until tomorrow, the value of things so transitive, it's important one minute and it's worth nothing the next to know that we can have treasure in heaven. Matthew chapter 19, verse 21. In this picture, Jesus is promising, look, if you, if you will just be faithful in the least of things, if you'll rally to that need, 
then that faithfulness will qualify you. It is a test in this temporary circumstance for heavenly riches. But the other side of that was the second thing that I wanted you to remember. And that is unfaithfulness disqualifies from heavenly riches. Unfaithfulness disqualifies. Wait a minute. Now he, he says if, if you're faithful in the least, you'll get much. But wait, if you are unjust, he says, in what is the least, then you'll be unjust in the great things too, in the much. And the father has already indicated, wait a minute, if you can't take care of another man, that is God has invested this stuff in you. He's given you the responsibility. Then who is it that's going to give you your own? You're not going to get that. I have put in peril by my self-indulgence, by, by, my, by my unwillingness to share what I have with a need that exists. I put myself in peril of losing what was my eternal hope? So, wait a minute. Unfaithfulness to the task that's before me? I, I, I thought that I could do what I want. I mean, I am me. You know, I, I make my own decision. I'm me. I own myself and the stuff that I have, isn't that mine? I should be able to choose what I want to do with it. So I'm in control. Hey, peace. But the truth of the matter is, no, that's not true. You are not your own. You are God's. And what you have is not your own. It is God's too. You have become a steward of what God has put into your hands to use. God is looking to see how you use those things to his glory and honor. Uh, one text that comes to mind is 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. It is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Here's the truth of the matter. So much as we slave and we work and we save, one day you're going to die and none of that is going to go with you, not any of it. You say, well, I'm storing it up for my children. Okay, Th that might be true too, but I can just tell you from experience, <laughs> uh, my parents did that too, and I have received this much of it. <laughs> it just didn't work out like they thought. And even if that weren't true, I had a grandpa and a great grandpa and on and on. Surely somewhere way back in there, somebody was filthy rich and it didn't make it to me. The reason why is because those things don't last. And it might be that you can empower one generation, but what will happen after that generation? And on and on we go. You though, you, let's just talk about you. You're not taking any of what you build up materially with you. When the hearse rolls out, it doesn't have a U-Haul attached to it. 
Now, peace, I heard a story about one that had a U-Haul, but it wasn't really a funeral home hearse, okay? Nevertheless, they don't pack up all your belongings and send them with you. We have museums full of what the pharaohs thought were going to be their lavish lifestyle in the hereafter. Their soul is gone, but those material wealth, those things remain. And we just look at them in a museum. In fact, the most macabre thing is we'll look at what's left behind of their mummified remains. What an insult. It's an insult to God who warned us it's only temporary. It's a test. What will you do with what you have? Some men were standing around the coffin of a wealthy friend who died. And they were just talking about his stuff. And one of them piped up and said, well, how much do you think he left? And one wisely said, as you know, he left it all. We carried nothing out of this world. So here's my point. If I major in the least things, not faithful with them, but unfaithful, I become unjust in my dealings with others. I hoard what I have to my own satisfaction. If I have become unfaithful, then I disqualify myself from eternal heavenly riches. Now, whether that is withholding my part in taking care of what in the world, a bathroom renovation and a repipe of a house, or whether that is that I just take all of my wealth and I'm going to set it aside in the bank, or I'm going to have a bigger house, I'm going to have a finer car, I'm going to have a nice boat, I'm going to have my vacation house. All of those things to the neglect of God's glory will result in disqualification. What does that mean? Well, remember how amazing it was to think that I could be a child of God and that I could be an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ? That would no longer be mine. Remember how we were talking about how amazing that would be to have this glorious body, not, not the lowly body that I'm in now, but to have this glorified body to be like Jesus, that would, that would no longer be mine. Remember how we were talking about having glory, honor, and peace? We wouldn't have that because we wouldn't be in fellowship with Jesus anymore. Remember that heavenly rest? Your works wouldn't be following you because they were not faithful. Remember, remember those crowns? Crowns of righteousness and life and glory? No. What about that inheritance? That would no longer be waiting. And no treasure in heaven. I referenced Matthew 19 with that one. Remember, that's in the midst of the story of the rich young ruler that comes to Jesus and he wants to know, well, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Right? I want to go from the temporary here and now to the eternal. I want to be in heaven. Of course I do. 
And Jesus says, well, you know, tell me, have you, have you kept the commandments? And then he just starts listing them off. I've done it all. And Jesus says, yes, that's wonderful. Then all you have to do now is sell all that you have, give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. You will have treasure in heaven. That's verse 21 that I referenced for you. But what happens is he is so in love with his stuff, the least things. He is so in love with that temporary stuff, that temporary life that he had made for himself. So in love with the lavish lifestyle that surrounded him that he went away. For he had many possessions. I want to hear one thing someday. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things, but I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I gave you responsibility over really just a few little things. Temporary, the least of things. And because you were faithful to that, I'm going to give you what you really deserve. Faithfulness, remember, is what qualifies unfaithfulness disqualifies. Where are you on the scale of all that? Are you wrapped up in your stuff? Or do you realize it's just temporary? I have bigger things to concern myself with. I want more than just a monetary inheritance for my children, don't you? I want them to go to heaven. I want to live my life such a way that it influences them spiritually for good. That is an eternal Legacy, not least, but much. If you're a child of God and you, you've succumbed to a capitalist mentality, just the hoarding of things, please think deeper and bigger. Realize this is, this is short. Life is but a vapor that appears for a little time, then it vanishes away. What will the Lord say to you upon greeting you? Will it be proud of you and the decisions that you've made? While we're still living, we have the opportunity to make changes, to change our focus of what is most important to us. Make sure that the choices you make benefit you spiritually for an eternity and are not temporary. If you're not a child of God today, you're living in a temporary situation a temporary reprieve from eternal punishment because you are unfaithful to the Lord. If today you believe that he's the son of God, though, you have a valuable opportunity, one that may never come again. If you believe he's the son of God, turn away from your sin and repentance, confess your faith before this number, be buried in water, have your sins washed away. You'll rise up out of that water, resurrected to new life. If there's anybody who needs to respond today for any reason, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come forward if you need to while we stand together and sing.
Why keep Jesus the heart of Jesus, number 488.
If you are in need of the floor supper emblems, you please raise your hand us to assist at this time. Please pray with me. Our most gracious and loving Father, we praise you for your love for us, for loving us enough to give your only begotten Son to come upon this earth, Father, and die for the remission of our sins. Father, we pray today that as we will be faithful givers, Father, realizing that the greatest gift of all is your Son. We pray, Father, that we be faithful stewards in all that you have given us. Much responsibility has been given to us, Father, and we just pray that we'll be righteous in your sight. Father, we pray that as we give today that we will do so in a manner pleasing to thee, and that one day, Father, we will be the heirs of your promises. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
We thank you so much for this day. And God, we ask for your divine strength and wisdom to face the challenges of this world and this particular moment in time. God, we're keenly aware of the many evils we face and especially our young people, the evils that they face every minute. And God, that awareness, it fills us with fear, anxiety, and doubt. And this morning, God, we just ask that you please give us faith to fight that fear and more courage to fight that anxiety and doubt. God, we ask that you please give us the tools to fight the good fight of faith and let us know that we are yours. Please forgive us for where we failed you. Forgive us of our sins and our many transgressions. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.